Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. My name is Pete Vecchi. I am Associate Pastor at Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. I am joined today by Pastor Mac. His real name is McDonald, Don McDonald, and Pastor Josh Kugel. Don is the pastor at Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois. Josh mm -hmm. is pastor at First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi. And uh, I normally don't talk about a whole lot about uh, the specific timing of when we are um, recording these episodes, just because we know that they're available pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week, by going to reconcilinggrace.com. You can uh, click on current and past episodes. But where we're recording this today, it's kind of a unique time. We're kind of during the general time of Mother's Day and then a few weeks later, Father's Day. And rather than trying to do a program on Mother's Day specifically or uh, Father's Day specifically, we're trying to do one that includes both. Both parents' days, days that are um, traditionally celebrated. And Pastor Josh, you kind of had the idea about this, uh, wanted to share about this. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you'd like to discuss today? Hey, so... Um... We're talking about because of the date, like you said, it's uh, almost Mother's Day and Father's Day is right around the corner. Um, I, 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 I'll set this up like this. I remember uh, Mother's Day, especially, and you guys know as pastors, there's always been this expectation that we'd make a big deal out of it at church. We give out flowers or pens or some kind of knickknack just to let, you know, a mom that we think the world of know that we're ready to spend 32 cents on her or something like that. And so, um, but I remember I was pastoring and I was getting ready to make a, a big Mother's Day appeal and and tell everybody how wonderful mothers are. And and right before Sunday, I, I got a, a message from somebody in our church that's always there. And she said, um, Josh, uh, you know, the problem that we've been having, having children. And she said, um, and I knew this, um, they had lost several pregnancies. And she said that I've gotten to the point where I cannot just sit in church for another Sunday while we're talking about how awesome mothers are and how everybody can be one and all this kind of stuff when like the, the heartbreak of my life is going on. And, and she said, I'm not going to be there Sunday. And all of a sudden I completely understood um, her perspective and that began to change the way that I look at mothers. Thursday because you know I, I I thank praise God I had a good mom um you know and I'm but I also have to recognize that not everybody's in that perspective I also know that some of us had lousy moms just to be honest some of us think we had lousy moms and we really didn't but some of us really did um and some of us have as we get to Father's Day the same thing with with dads either non-exist you know not there or, or weren't very good and some of us have awesome ones and so we go to church and the the worst thing we can do is just expect that everybody has the exact same experience and everybody had the best moms and should celebrate them and all that. But the other thing 
is um, is that some of us that want to be moms or dads cannot be or or, or are not able to yet or something. But then the, the other thing that I look at that I think is really important is that God set up the family. The family is the first institution. A family is an institution we should celebrate, model, uh, encourage, um, talk about how awesome it is and everything. And so somehow we've got to we've got to be in that area where we can we can celebrate mothers, talk about godly uh, uh, goals and roles in motherhood and fatherhood, but at the same time be sensitive and caring. And so one of the things I've done is I've said, you know what, we're celebrating moms today, but we're also celebrating women that have influence on younger people um, and, and stuff like that. The other thing we do at Mother's Day, and this is just all setting the table, and I'm going to let you guys talk, is, is we always quote the worst verses in the Bible for something like this, which is, you guys know this, is Proverbs 30. Proverbs 31. Yeah, 30, and, 30 actually, isn't it? Is it 30? Yeah. Oh, no, 30, 31, 31, 31. I'm sorry. You're right. 31. I pulled it up here right when you were talking. Just because read, 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 read some of Proverbs 31 and see if see if any woman alive. And a noble wife. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll read it starting in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. All right. So, so far, so far, we're pretty good. Right. I was about to say that too. So uh, we're on the same page here. We're on the same verse. You know, verse 12, she does him good, not harm all the days of her life. Okay. That's good. It's verse 13 where she starts becoming a little bit uh, more like superwoman. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. I'm reading from the... Um, the uh which yeah, version the, is this the, the um, 1300 english, King James Stan, the english standard version i guess that's what came okay. up on my computer i'm sorry but anyway <laughs> let me keep going she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy she is not afraid of snow for her household for all her household are clothed in scarlet she makes bed coverings for herself her clothing is fine linen and purple her husband is known in the gates when, she, when he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. That's that's basically I mean, my, my goodness. You know, when she takes her cape off late at night after she's done working all day, uh, doing everything, and so we, it, it's difficult to know. I, I'm I'm one that thinks I think God is known through parent or can be known through parents, and I think even through poor parenting, God can be known because we see the contrasts and what we're supposed to see and all this. So we should celebrate 
mothers and fathers in church. I 100% agree with that. I think the worst thing we can do is be so sensitive about people's feelings that we miss celebrating the, 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 the beauty, the, the organization, the institution of family. But at the same time, we need to be careful about how we do it. And then at the same time, we need to be honest with scripture and not apply this, this to all these moms that obviously <laughs> don't meet this. <laughs> so, so, all right, Don, I know you've been wanting to say something and, uh, I, for I, it. I think, you know, diving into the deep end of the pool, the, the most difficult thing to do is as we encounter scripture, such as Proverbs 31, is to say, hey, it's not that you have to be that. It's just that's something that maybe you want to strive for as you're trying to figure out what a good parent is. I know I've tended to use these special days more for, have you thought about raising your children with this understanding? Have you thought about? So for me, it's not so much an observing as it is. And, and, and I've, I've taken a step back in terms of not saying, okay, moms, you need to be this, or dads, you need to be this. But I've taken a step back and basically said, as you're parenting or as you're mentoring, are these the things you're doing within the life of the church? So it almost becomes more of a challenge of how we're discipling one another in Christ, especially our kids. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm so with you that, you know, early in my tenure here at Danforth, we're talking like, 25, 26 years ago, I had somebody haul me aside who was a single parent and basically said, I abhor Father's Day and Mother's Day because I can't do either because I'm a single parent. Therefore, I am both. And, and it, it was more about the whole that was present in her life than supporting her in what she was doing as a single parent. So it, it, I agree wholeheartedly with you, Josh that it is a unique uh, demand on us as pastors not to belittle anybody who doesn't have a mom or who doesn't have a dad. Um, I think there has to be some sensitivity there, but there also has to be a respect for scripture, that this is what scripture is teaching us. Yeah, and the other thing about that is <clears throat> I have heard moms say, especially because this is written specifically about a mother or about a wife, um, not about a dad, um, that they just dreaded going to hear the Mother's Day message that week because they knew that this scripture would be used, and it just basically helped them realize how far short they fell. Yeah, you want to you want to feel like a failure? Come to church this Sunday. Right, right, exactly. And I mean, and I mean, we we laugh a little bit about that, but you know, there are people like me. When I grew up, and, and this is not necessarily, you know, something against my parents, but um, the the way I was raised, and it wasn't just my parents, it seemed like I was criticized a lot. And it got to the point where I hated anything. And this wasn't even in church, by the way. I just hated anything where I couldn't do it perfectly because I knew I would then get to be told about, you know, what I did wrong. And I just, I just wanted to avoid that and that's the kind of the attitude here that what i was trying to describe about people who have heard this scripture and it just basically shows you how you're not good enough yeah so how do you celebrate moms in church 
how do you how do you do all of the above? My, if you're asking me, um, I tried to do it the traditional way when I first became a senior pastor. <clears throat> And it was kind of funny because especially in the smaller congregation where the congregation didn't change all that much, you always knew who the oldest mom was going to be. And you always knew that the second oldest mom would miss it by like two years, you know, or something like that. Um, And so it was always the same person who would get the, who would get the prize. Um, But then um, we talked about, you know, at some point when, I think we talked about this off off mic before. The reality of the situation is that society started changing over the past several decades, and suddenly we didn't um, find it very. How do I want to say? Good to recognize the youngest moms when the youngest moms <laughs> might be teenagers who were not married. Yeah, I have a, um, a guy yeah. A guy I was talking to said uh, we did the youngest moms until the youngest mom was 14 and had two different kids from different dads. Yeah. And and you start realizing there, and it's not, not really to offend her or anyone else, but you start really, you don't want to celebrate that in church because that's not God's plan for anybody, I don't think. Well, Mary was also 14, but it wasn't sure. from... But it was a different culture. <laughs> Probably. And, yeah. and, the, and the thing is that... Um, there's there's a there's a balance to be drawn i think because you don't want to celebrate the bad part of it but then yet god brought about a brand new life um a brand new soul a brand new person you want to celebrate that person that person has just as much um meaning to god and it is loved by god just as much as somebody who was born to a family who did it quote the right way you know I I find the process, and I'll go with the word process, of recognizing parenting. Um, I, I approach that process with great caution and great care because none of us are perfect when it comes to parenting. You know, and, and so when um, I speak for yourself. Yeah, I'm not perfect. I, I'm not yeah, Baptist. Yeah. Therefore, I'm totally depraved. See, I'm not like, you know, we'll stop. <laughs> um, but, but the thing that I ask of myself, now I'm the one that had the mother who was alcoholic. I'm the one who's, you know, my parents divorced when I was nine years old. So basically from nine on, I really didn't have a mother figure in my life. And so and my mother figure was my grandmother on my father's side for the record. But there, there's a part of me that says, okay, if we're dealing with people who either can't have children or have been wounded by parents, then how can I empower them to be good parents? Or how can I say, hey, there, there's always that time of grace. We all need that grace. You know, I... I spend a lot of time, there's a, a gentleman, Kevin Lehman, and he has what is called the 10 Laws of Parenting. And basically every year I present it. I present it to you know our young parents. I present it to the grandparents saying, hey, this is as much for you as it is you know, for me. You know, 
Examples from it are my hands are small. Please don't expect perfection when I make the bed. Draw a picture or throw a ball. My legs are short. Please slow down so that I can keep up with you. My eyes have not seen the world as yours have. Please let me explore safely. Don't respect, restrict me unnecessarily. Housework will always be there. I'm only little for a short time. Um, take time to explain things to me about this wonderful world and do so willingly. Uh, and the list goes on to 10. And so for me, when I'm looking over the issue of parenting or those that don't have kids but can still help raise kids, I almost say, here's a challenge for you as we celebrate the gift of mothers or as we celebrate the gift of fathers, that you can still be a mentor. You can still be a discipler to somebody else in the life of the church. So I look at it sometimes more as a time of empowerment than just purely recognition. Do you, um, let me ask you, do you preach a Mother's Day sermon? I, I preach more a parenting sermon is what I would say. Um, I lean in that direction, understanding that some don't have moms and some don't have dads. So okay. I, I tend to uh, lean in that direction. I think the most powerful sermon that touched me that was preached by Dr. DeCryder out of Christ Church of Oakbrook, and, and it's, it stays with me to this day, um, is when he preached on Ephesians 6, 4, where it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. He did that for Mother's Day? He did that for Father's Day, for actually. Father's Day. Okay. But okay. he was very clear because, you know, the amount of divorce that was taking place in the uh, early 70s was growing. He was very clear that it wasn't just about fathers, but it was about those who are parenting, who yeah. shouldn't exasperate their children. Um, I, I think, well, oh, go ahead, go ahead. And and so, you know, it. I I look more at these days as as much as i honor and we we memorialize i also ask how can i empower okay okay i, I think it's important I, I just want to step back and say i think it's important at church that we do recognize we do empower people that find themselves in in family structures that are not traditional or ideal but i think we also have to make sure that we don't encourage family structures that are not what god encourages in scripture and that he put together and we have to understand that God's intent was that a man and a woman bring a child into the world and raise that in the security of a family. Um, and so how, how can we do that? And I'm not asking necessarily unless you want to talk about it, but how can we do that and also empower and encourage people that find themselves, you know, many people are, find themselves divorced and they never intended. Many people find themselves divorced out of sin or whatever else, but it doesn't matter because they're there now. And somehow they have to either pick up the pieces or figure out how to make it work as good as they can and, and, and go from there. This year, though, I'm for Mother's Day, there was a, a Gentile woman that found out Jesus was in town. He was trying to, to, to kind of hide himself. Um, the Gentile woman found out where she was or where he was, and her daughter is uh, demon-possessed. And she finds Jesus. She goes into his, the home that he's at, falls down at his feet and begins to beg him, would you free my child from this demon? And he says, you know what? Um, you know, I'm here for the Jews. You know, you're Gentile, all that stuff. And she says, even the scraps from your, I mean, she begins to beg and plead anything you can give me. And I'm showing from that 
as a model of how we intercessory pray, intercessor pray for someone that we love is that we don't care about our pride. We go to God, you know, expect anything you can give is, is good enough. We recognize even when he does something small, that it's something we couldn't have done all this. And so I'm using that a mother's plea for her child as a model for intercessory prayer for everyone. Um, and so I'm using at least this year, most of the time I don't preach a Mother's Day sermon, but I'm using this year as a way to encourage or equip everyone to pray for those that are close to them by using a mother's story. Um, Pete, what about you? Do you do Mother's Day sermons? Uh, yes and no. I, before I answer that, I did want to ask you a question on that. Um, what made you bring up that particular um, passage for this? Is that just something that came to you or how did you no, that. I've kind of I kind of see that every once in a while with things like Mother's Day or or, or intercessory prayer that kind of thing. That's really a good it's a good model because um, you know you you find Jesus pushes back and he says it's not my time. Kind of um, he also says uh, uh, that he calls her. It's kind of weird. He, he calls her. I'd have to look up the exact wording, but it's it's in Mark, but he, he refers to her kind of as a, a dog, I think. Um, yeah. And some scholars would say that he's not saying, like, they had this racist term for Gentiles back in the day, and they'd call them dogs, but there was also another word you could refer to as a dog as, and it's more of like a pet. Um, and so there's this idea that he's kind of, it's a familiar kind of not insulting, sure. but, but it, whatever the reason is, he pushes back and he says, hey, it's not my it's not time to do this. And she loses all sense of pride. Her ego takes it back. You know, she is like, I, I'm sorry that it's not your time. I don't want to disrespect this. But my daughter, <laughs> you know, is is. And so and, and I, I almost think that Jesus is seeing if she cares enough about her daughter, if she's willing to do enough for her daughter. And if she believes enough in him that he pushes back to see if she will continue pushing. Um, and so it's this idea that in, in intercessory prayer, you, you, it's not so much about the words or how eloquent you are or anything like that. It's more about, I, I realize I need you desperately and no one else can fulfill. No one else can satisfy and answer prayers. And I'm going to do whatever I can as often as I can until you answer this prayer and whatever you give me, I'm going to count as a blessing. Um, because I can't do it. Um, I need you. And so there's this, also this idea about, you know, recognizing when you get a crumb from the table instead of, you know, most of us go to prayer. Um, you know, my wife's going through something with her voice right now, and I'm, I'm, we're kind of a little panicked about it. Part of me wants to pray, God, I, I need total 100% healing. And that's all I'm going to take, nothing less than that. But the truth is, the more I, anything you can give, God, I, I'm going to be thankful for, because you are capable of things that I cannot do on my own. Um, so anything, even the scraps from the table, um, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, and, and Jesus sees her faithfulness and all. He says, hey, your daughter's free. He doesn't. The other thing I'm going to talk about, I think demon possession is really fun in the church today because um, I heard somebody say that we know more about demon possession from the movie The Exorcist than we do from the Bible. Um, and, you know, where we talk about demon possession with head spinnings and, and holy water being thrown everywhere and the wind going up and dramatic music and people vomiting and everything. Jesus notices her faith and he says, hey, you can go now. Your daughter's free. And that's it. He doesn't call out the demon's name, he, you know, name your demon or whatever a lot of people say. He doesn't any of that. He just you realize who you're talking to. Right. This is 
God himself, the demons kind of know me <laughs> and they do what I say. Um, and, and not only that, all of nature does. And so this woman recognizes it. She doesn't say, are you sure, Jesus? You're 100% sure you did the right, did you say the right incantation? Are you sure the demon's gone? You might want to do it again. Jesus says, your daughter's free. And she's, thank you, walks off and expects her daughter to be healed on the way home. I mean, I don't know. This, it's a cool message. And I think it fits well into these kind of days because I think there's nobody that prays for their kids like a mom. Or, or like a, a grandma or like a dad, you know, and, and I understand sometimes we have some, and I think it's growing in number who don't fulfill that role like they should, mm -hmm. but we can all think it, of a good mom, I would say, or somebody that, that fulfills their, nobody prays for their kid like their mom. And sure. so, well, to answer your question about how I preached, uh, <laughs> that was pretty interesting. That was great. That was great. Um, I was just curious where where you came up with it because my my answer about what 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 I preach on Mother's Day is it, it varies and, and it depends on the situation. Um, I have had a tendency, first of all, just you know, full disclosure, as the associate pastor, I don't preach every Sunday now. You know, I preach occasionally. I fill in pulpits for other pastors when when they need somebody to, to fill in for them that's kind of the role of ministry that god has called me to right now but when i was preaching full-time um as a senior pastor i i went through different things and one of the things i started doing was going through the lectionary and preaching through the lectionary and so there is no mother's day in the lectionary there's no father's day in the lectionary and so i kind of would look at the lectionary and i would say well what what pray about it and say, what would the Lord, you know, have me preach this day? You know, I mean, if it's Pentecost Sunday and Mother's Day, which one are you going to preach on? You know, um, it, there's sometimes I combined different things, but I went with scripture. The point was I always based it on scripture. So I tried not to make a whole message about Mother's Day, but I would definitely at times bring it into there. So that answers the other question, I guess, about how I would do it. I don't know if Don's about to say something or not. I thought I, finished, I thought I finished a trifecta here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and mine's just brief and to the point. I ended up with good old First Samuel 1 and Hannah and how she couldn't have a child. And all of a sudden she did. And she gave the child slash Samuel back to the Lord. You know, so we're we're sort of leaning in on, you know, give your children to the Lord, see that they're gifts of God and celebrate them type of leaning and bathe them in prayer. You know, um, that's sort of where I'm leaning into on that. And I think that's true both for mothers and fathers. You know, when we're talking about empowerment and prayer, I think over the decades I've done ministry here at Danforth and I visit my dear saints who are losing physical strength. I they've they've all leaned into the reality. I can be a prayer warrior over my over my family, you know, type of thing. So yeah, that's sort of where I leaned in on. Mm -hmm. Here, here's the last um, kind of thought. It's something the church has become known for. Um, a lot of people will joke about this. Um, we we expect to go to church on Mother's Day and hear about how awesome mothers are and how they uh, have never done anything wrong and they're sweet and kind but they also work late into the night and they're all perfect and you know um when they talk rose petals just fly through the air and everything and then you go to church on father's day 
and the pastor lays in to, to dads. You know, mothers, I don't care what you've done, you're perfect, but dads, you guys all stink. And you need to pick up the pace here and you need to man up and you need to, you know, it, it, have you guys found that to be true? Because I've noticed that all my life. I hear that from, from men, especially. Um, I think the church, uh, I, I don't know how to say this the right way. I think the church has become, because there are more women in church than there are men. I think the church has become more feminine uh, in, in the way it handles a lot of things. I think I can make it even a good case for that, but not even that being the case. It does seem like we treat moms different than men than dads when if you look at our culture today, I know that we should call men up, but if you look at our culture today, um, our culture looks at men like they're dogs um, and we treat dads like they're unnecessary um, and, and all that. And, and I think God's call for men is to be important, is to be indispensable, is to be uh, uh, leaders is to be admired and respected and all this stuff. And so I, I don't know, have you guys noticed that? Do you see that kind of uh, tendency the church has? Or am I just uh, responding to other things I, I hear that you guys don't hear? I, my counter argument is without my dad, I wouldn't be who I am today. Without my grandfather, I wouldn't be who I am today. And so how does that affect my preaching and teaching? I, I'm the direct opposite of what you've just said. You know, because I do believe in the the role of fatherhood and being dad, and I celebrate our men who have accepted the call of being a dad and have done it beautifully. So I, I, I tend to be the direct opposite of that, and a lot of it is just because how I was parented by my dad, you know. Do you, do you treat moms harder on Mother's Day than you would dads on Father's you Day? You know, I, I really don't. And a lot of that is because of all this crazy psychological training I have in my head that says we have a tendency to overreact to things that have been trauma in life. And so I try to keep the pendulum in the center and not overact. Now, am I honest? After almost 30 years preaching at Danforth, they all know I, the most difficult sermon for me to preach is a Mother's Day sermon. And I've said that now multiple times and they get it. They get it. And yet they are very gracious with me in, in seeing that. And I've been blessed with the Wesleyan retired minister that attends here regularly. And his mom was perfect. She was a Proverbs 31, you know. And, and so he has sort of said, hey, can I decorate my mom this, you know, this Mother's Day? And I said, please do. You know, so um, I, I guess, you know, because I keep thinking about the tenet that we began with um, this reconciling grace, because I'm assuming we're at a time place here that um, the church's role to me when we deal with Father's Day and Mother's Day is to recognize that A, they're not perfect, B, that they need to be loved and supported like any other leader. You know, we're dealing with leader burnout right now so bad. You know, we're part of great resignations and things like that, that, you know, parents are a part of surviving all this insanity we're living through. And I guess in my mind, when we're celebrating parents, it should be all about how the church can empower and care for parents, especially when they feel like they're not doing it well. 
that's something that really is coming to my mind. Yeah. It makes me think about um, our society just a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit off topic here, but do we really celebrate parents these days? I mean, we're even getting to the point where, where it's to the point where parents shouldn't decide what's best for their children. The government should. And, you know, that's another, that's another topic maybe, but um, I think, I think that maybe what you yeah, talked about. Yeah, we have another hour, Pete. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying what Don talked about. We could do this on another subject, another, another yeah. podcast. But what I'm thinking about what Don just said, you know, maybe it's important to just celebrate those who are parents. You know, I was going through this as, as you guys were talking, and I'm thinking about, I'm thinking through the congregations that I served as senior pastor. And understand both of them, even though I pastored for 12 years as senior pastor, two different congregations total, I am very hard pressed to find an example of a traditional family in either of them, as far as mom, dad, and kids, either they, either the, either the couple was grown. I mean, their and their kids were grown and these were grandparents or it was a single mom situation or something else or a blended family with, you know, step parents or whatever. And I think what Don said about celebrating the parents, celebrating the, the fact that, you know, live your life for Christ. Maybe that's the bottom line I'm trying to get for. Whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, we need to urge them to live their life for Christ. Don't try to be a pattern of one certain thing because even as we're looking at this um, scripture about mothers, you know, not every mother goes out and makes, a, a, you know, starts a business. Not every mother goes out and, and makes flax or whatever, you know, uh, is a great cook or whatever it might be. Not every dad is either, by the way. And, and that's the point that I'm saying is what I believe we need to do is just really teach and emphasize that everybody, moms, dads, parents, grandparents, step-parents, you know, whatever, children, need to submit their lives to Jesus Christ and then let him develop those people the way he will. Yeah. Well, um, I, I know we're, we're getting close to out of time, and I just want to kind of end with, uh, especially if you're listening and you're a pastor or if you're not a pastor, just understand this is a, it's a difficult Sunday, or these, these are a difficult set of Sundays for pastors because they're trying to honor the word of God and the way that God uh, intends for children to come into the world and for families to stay together and protect those and also protect their own church because they realize that sometimes we fall short of God's standard and God's desire for us, or we find ourselves sometimes even by no fault of our own, we're trying to do the right thing and find ourselves in a difficult situation. And so pastors are navigating a, a, a very difficult uh, way that they want to honor God first and foremost, and at the same time, encourage their families um, and, and moms and dads and all that too. But the other part of that is not that just that pastors have a difficult job, is that as congregants too, that we give our pastor grace as they try to navigate this stuff. Um, and, and, 
you know, um, I, I know a lot of people that are just waiting for their pastor to say something that's slightly offensive to them so that they can, you know, uh, uh, store a, a, a list of complaints or so they can, you know, um, um, talk to them after about something or so they can talk to somebody else about how their pastor did something. But maybe maybe um, realizing that the pastor is trying to do so much, but first and foremost, honor God and his plan for people and also protect. Maybe there's a little more grace that could be extended as he uh, attempts to do this with scripture. And so just just uh, a fun topic, kind of, because <laughs> families are, I mean, there's really nothing that can mess somebody up more than family. And there's nothing that could bless somebody through their entire life more than family, except for their relationship with God. And so this is important. Uh, it's sensitive. Um, it's good to talk about, I think. So, all right. Don, you were leaning in there. Were you about to say something or are you just leaning in? No, I'm just leaning in. We, we okay. do these on Zoom, so therefore we get to see each other on video. Maybe someday our G crew will uh, lean you in on one of our videos that we cut here. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, just, you just never know. And uh, Josh, you summed it up so well. I, I just wanted to add one more thing because you're you're the only one of the three of us who is not yet a grandparent. Um. And that's fine, I'm, I'm but your, that, your children are grown, are they not? Or you well, any... I have I have one daughter that's married. Um, I have two other ones that pro, you know, they're I don't know. We'll see. Well, um, so what I'm saying, do they still live at home or what? I guess what I was. No, saying we only have one at home, two okay. in college, and two out of the house. So, and that was one of the things that I did want to share since you were you're talking to the congregations. Have grace with your pastor because your pastor's family may not live up to this whole biblical standard either. Seriously. No, the Bible says <laughs> yeah, pastor's yeah. supposed to have perfect kids that right. never embarrass right. him. Right. First Timothy that's... 3, First Timothy 3. Right, yep. right. <laughs> the Bible also talks about grace, but that's what I'm saying. You know, and as pastors, we do try to model that. We really do. But, you know, th there comes the human element in there. So, um, you know, it's about grace. It's about Christ. And Josh, I think you did a great job of summing it up. I just wanted to throw that last part in there for you. So I think it is time for us to go ahead and, and start closing off. So we've been hearing this topic of parenting and Father's Day, Mother's Day, kind of both Parents' Day in the church has been led by Pastor Josh Kugel. As I said before, he is the pastor at uh, First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi. Pastor Don McDonald is the pastor of Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois. And uh, I am Pete Becky. I am associate pastor at uh, Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. I keep wanting to say Pleasant View because I grew up in a town in a Pleasant View district, but it's Pleasantville, Ohio. And um, we just Thank you for being here with us today, and we hope that you'll join us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.